This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Cavalry Audio. Three, two, one. We can go on to with suspicious oh hello audience i didn't see you there just warming up the pipes yeah uh, hi carolyn hi hi brando hello murder chronicles nation welcome back to our bonus content i'm brandon i'm here with carolyn as always um how are you doing carolyn do you have a good week i'm doing great yeah had a great week how about you yeah good good week kids are back in school hallelujah <laughs> Yeah. Can I get a witness? I'm very um, happy about that. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, what do you think about New Year's resolutions? What's your thought process on them? Ah, dog shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, why you, you put so much pressure on yourself, okay? Building up to this one time of the year where you have to make these changes. New year, new me. Man, go fuck yourself. Just do it when you think you should do it. And don't put the pressure on yourself. Set yourself up to succeed. Okay. Instead of you build up, build up new year. Great. And we're human. Right. So you have a fuck up and then you hate yourself and then you stop and you probably regress to a point worse than you were beforehand, you know? <laughs> yeah. So just, so just, or you, go to, or you go to celebrate like, yeah, I'm going to go celebrate. I lost 10 pounds. We're going to just go celebrate one time. Right. Just realize that it's, that it's discipline and that it's, it's habits and that it's a, it's a lifestyle change, you know? And that there isn't some magical date where all of the sudden, all of a sudden you'll be, you know, you'll have that discipline and you'll have the drive and you'll have your reason to, to maintain stuff. It's, you got, listen, I've been around long enough. You gotta, you gotta set yourself up to succeed, you know, and not put yeah. too, the only time I did something rash and it worked was when I quit smoking. Um, and, and that was, you know, that was a, like, I had to surprise myself. <clears throat> Finney? I'm sorry. You were just finished. Yeah, I was finished. It was, and and I'd, I'd read a, a Harry Truman. Hey. I'm sorry, my cat was scratching on the. Okay, I read a Harry Truman biography where, um, no, sorry, an Eisenhower biography where he uh. He gave himself an order, to quit smoking, and that's what did it for him. Mm -hmm. He realized, and he tried a lot of different ways, and he realized that you know his entire life he hung his life on the disciplinary structure of the military. And he figured that he would respond to that as well. And so he gave himself an order <laughs> to quit smoking and it worked and he never smoked again. So, oh no, that's interesting. Fuck it. I'm just going to stop. And, and it worked. Yeah. yeah. I'm very much like that too. Just with things that I decide if I really decide it, like with smoking, I smoke too. Yeah. And I'm just like done. And, and my husband's actually like, you know, he knows that I, that I'm that way where it's like, if I decide something yeah. and, you know, it may take me forever to get to that place, but then <clears> once <throat> it's like decided it's, it's kind of, yeah. yeah, but I, I'm the same, I'm the same way too with, I was listening to a podcast this morning and the hosts were talking about new year's resolutions. And so I was like, you know, I, I just kind of thought, I, I figured you would be like, fuck it. No way. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm not that, that transparent, huh? but unfortunately, I haven't been able to. Wait muscle- a second. Didn't you just say that? Yeah, that's exactly what I like- said. I know. You're right. Fine. Great. But my thing is that I haven't, again, I can't consistently muster that type of discipline that I found in myself with the smoking. Like there's other little things that I do. Like I drink too many soft drinks or I, I, uh, you know, I stay up too late or I, I sleep too late. You know, there's, there's things that I want, that I want to change. Um, and I will, I just had a physical. So uh, let's, we'll see what, 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 what the results are from that. And maybe if, you know, something's fucked up, I'll, I'll make some changes, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like getting fucked up results to make you have a resolve, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so anyway, um, did you have any resolutions this year or no? You know, I don't. In fact, I'm the type of person where I'm going to start my resolution before everybody else. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to start it like a month ahead of time, which is always you know, eating healthy, you know, it's always, it's so hard. It's so hard to, you know, to, to do that. And it's always the same thing, but, but it's really like, it's not just a new year's resolution. It's just a lifestyle where you have to commit to it and you have to, you know, and that's so hard because we're busy and it's like, you know, comfortable. And, and I'm an emotional eater. I mean, I'll be the first one to have, it's like, it's sick because it's so cyclical in families. Like, I used to watch my mom eating over the peanut butter jar, you know, and it's like, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, my kid walks out and I've got the peanut butter spoon in my hand. And it's just like, it's, it's just weird. It's weird. Yeah, I'm a bored eater. Like I eat when I, when I have nothing to do, like when I'm working, you know, like I'll be editing something and I'll just, I'll just like eat a sandwich at two in the morning, like for no, like I'm not even hungry, you know, I know it's shit yeah. like that. I'm just bored. I need it's, something it's to like, do. Again, it's like the comfort thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally is. It totally is. Yeah. Um, but since, you know, like, like over the past five years, I've had like major accidents that led to uh, major surgeries. Okay. And prior to that, I've been able to basically eat whatever I've wanted because I was such a gym rat. Like I, that was like my drug, right. It was just getting to the gym and, you know, and getting that endorphin rush and, and, and marking my progress in the weight room or on the treadmill or, or, whatever. And then, and injuries have sidelined me for the most part for, like I said, most of like the last five years. And uh, that's, what's been the hardest for me. That's been the hard. Because yeah. I, I mean, and, and I think that it. the mindset of, of like, cause I'm an absolute rabid jogger. Like I may not be the fastest, but I'm out there rain, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Um, And, and so I think that when you think, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing that, then you can slide on the other things, but then it's like, wait a second, I'm working so hard. And then I'm eating this ding dong. What am I doing? Yeah. But that's exactly the mindset for me, just because I loved eating ding dongs and shit. I'm like, I will go bust my ass in the gym because I love it. And I love how I feel. And then I get to go eat like a package of red vines and drink a Mountain Dew because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Wait a second. Red vines and Mountain Dew? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Put it in front of me. Listen, my, for years, all through my twenties and thirties, my diet consisted of shit you'd get at a movie theater. Basically just think of that food, right? Like terrible pizza and awful hot dogs and Uh popcorn and sour patch kids. I've been to the movies. I know. Red vines. Yeah, that is it. That was my. Really? Were there Snickers and Reese's (laughs) peanut butter cups? Not a lot of chocolate products there at the movie theaters, believe it or not. Um, 
but I'm, you know, and then, but you got to be an example for the kids. So I, you know, I eat better now. And, but I, I, I really miss going to the gym. I, I'm, I'm slowly working my way back in and getting my strength back and hitting the weights again. So it's, uh, I'm feeling better. But well, good. Well, what did you think of Detective Marty Garland? Uh, I love this guy. Um, I love him too. And, and I, I really appreciated his, but again, I haven't heard a police officer yet take like the negative opinion of their work that i have sometimes but i liked his his self-reflection towards the end when he was talking about the bond that develops between these people right i found that interesting that that he brought it up and that he kind of mocked them a little bit like he goes that people they want is at their trial <laughs> like what but i'll be sitting at the other table like a little smug and i went okay that's it's it's the name of the game. And I'm so grateful that the guys have that mechanism in their brain and in their hearts to be able to do it, to like mm -hmm. pretend that they're an ally of this person to get the truth, but want to see him fucking fry. Well, see, <laughs> see, and that's the thing that last week when we talked about it, when we talked about Richard Cottingham and your assessment of Peter Vronsky, yeah. the Times Square Torso Killer, how you kind of felt like, yeah, he's really kind of wanting to play God. And I was like, I didn't read it like that, but then I do think there's something that you have to do in order to be that duplicitous and, and it's kind of harsh. You right. Know? And that's, and that's where, that's where I, I'll, I'll disagree because I don't, I would never accuse them of duplicity because I think that their focus is always laser beamed on justice. Okay. Yeah. And the ends justify the means. So whatever, it takes to get there. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't I, duplicitous. It's, it's too much of a pejorative. I think when I, because the work that they're doing is so necessary and I'm sure that they're trained in that. And, and yeah, I would, I, I guess, or I wouldn't blame you, you know? Yeah. It, it, it is a level of duplicity, but I would think that it's the, the, the end that they're serving is, is, is worth it. But again, I can see the other side of it where I'm like, man, that's, like his, can he lie like that in his regular life? You know what I mean? Like, can these cops or these people that are so highly trained in in investigative procedures and in getting people to trust you and to do whatever? Like, there's a that movie, The Negotiator, from years ago with Kevin Spacey and uh, and I think Sam Jackson. In the in the opening scene, Spacey plays this great negotiator, and you don't know the situation that he's in. You just he's on one side of a door, and he's in high level really tense negotiations to get someone to come out. And it was like his teenage daughter, right? <laughs> it was like using the bathroom. So it was, it was a really interesting kind of juxtaposition as to where his character was going to be later on. And it showed you that he was able to bring those skills into his personal life as well. So that always made me wonder about what cops and investigators and negotiators could do with their training if they choose to use their powers for evil. You know? Right. I know. Well, that's why, you know, they, they say a lot of like, and, and this is just like, I don't have a PhD. I'm not a psychiatrist, but like they've said, so um, like sociopaths, many of them can be doctors and CEOs, mm. you know, like they have that ability to be able to, you know, cut into someone or make those decisions. And I think that, yeah, you know, you do have to, it's part of the being a good detective is being able to be, be able to interview and build that trust and, and it's like the reverse. And, you know, if you're on the wrong side of, you know, someone who's not a good 
police officer, that that's not good for you. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I mean, and that's how these false confessions and stuff happen. And it's it's very interesting. But but I love Detective Marty Garland and I love his mm -hmm. honesty and his kind of like, you know, tell it like it is. And he's, he's not guarded. And, you know, I, and I really appreciate I really appreciated that about him. <clears throat> me too. Me too. And and just his dogged kind of determination and in his pursuit of justice. That's those are the kind of cops and detectives that you want. And he was a cop for 10 years before he became a detective. You know, so he put his time in. He wasn't like one of these prodigies out of the academy that got tapped right away. You well, know, he's in Bremerton, yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's not going to West Point. Right. <laughs> That's true. So let's talk about the case. Um okay. uh the this first victim. Uh what was her name? Yeah. I'm sorry. The first victim was Marilyn Hickey. Marilyn Hickey. Marilyn Hickey. Marilyn Hickey. I, I'll tell you, I was hearing, you know, how you described her and I went, man, I would have liked to have met her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hanging around the dive bar, shooting pool, throwing darts, playing the jukebox, listening to Elvis, man, we would have got along. You know, I think that it's like in the same way that like when you go to a really fancy restaurant and you do that whole ritual of making the, um, you know, reservation and getting dressed up and you're eating foods that you normally wouldn't eat and you're just like, you know, enjoying yourself. I think the dive bar is kind of the reverse, but equally as special in that you just get to go and be and you it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, or what you're doing. Like, for example, my husband you know, our dive bar is like do first, although they probably wouldn't think it's a dive bar. But mm -hmm. um, and my husband, when he goes in there, everybody knows his name. They know mm -hmm. his they know his drink. They know what he does. You know, for me, I like to just kind of go undercover and and they, I like the nod, you know, it's kind of like, the yeah. nod, you know, yeah. so it's like you have all these different personality types. And I think that when you go there, it doesn't matter who you are. You just you know, you, you just get away from it all. So that really struck me with this case. Yeah. And the other thing about dive bars is oftentimes, even though everybody knows your name, there's also a certain level of anonymity. If you're Absolutely. someone off, if you're someone off the street, you can just walk in and no one's going to say, you're not welcome here. or You're not a regular, you know, whatever you belly up to the bar and you do what you want and nothing yeah. is tab <laughs> and nothing is taboo and people will leave you alone. You know, as long as you're tipping, you know, you could, you could do whatever you want and you can yeah. meet somebody anonymously and, and, um, you know, I lived in Hollywood for a long time and right, like in the heart of Hollywood, there were these bars and you know, like, where like Bukowski used to hang out and, and there were these great, you know, dirty, seedy, like stinky, like nothing cool about them at all, except the pedigree of the place, you know, and it's your eyes have to adjust for a minute when you get in there. Cause it's so dark. It could be noon outside. It could be two in the morning, you know, um, God, I used to love those places. I lived right around the corner from like. Back when I was still drinking, there was this bar on the Sunset Strip called the Coach and Horses, and it was a shithole. <laughs> it was awful, but it was so much fun. And and you could walk in there and you could be sitting next to a homeless guy who's paying with pennies on one side of you and like Kiefer Sutherland on the other side of you. And yeah. you don't know who's drunker. And they're yeah. probably either going to they're going to fight, you know, like that kind of shit. It was yeah. Such a such a great bar. And then later on, as a as a husband and a father, we wound up at a house like hundred yards north of the of the bar on a side street. And it and it got bought out by some hipster and it became like some nice place and it just it kind of lost its vibe. Um but uh it was interesting to because I was like two different people, you know, back when I used to drink at that place 
And then when I would like walk with my daughters to school past that place, and it was totally yeah. different, you know, the, the passage of time was, was, that was interesting. Um, but so, so she's in this dive bar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where she's a regular. Yeah. And she goes home with a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't I know. I mean, that... to me, I was like, I was surprised that more people weren't interested in what, and, and I'm like, is this my reverse sexism that, you know, a 57 year old woman can't a 22 go year old. With a 22 year old? Like how yeah. many times do you see these guys doing it? So I was kind of like slapping myself a little bit. Um, but yeah, she goes home with him and we don't know why. And we don't, you know, they were, yeah, we know why we know what <laughs> you think so now that you know the whole thing. Well, if, I mean, listen, I, don't know. I, I know her, don't know. I know her point of view. I'm not sure if murder was on his mind. I don't know. What do you think her point of view is? I want to get laid. Right. Well, I mean, why not? I don't know. I'm so far removed from from that. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm not even going to bring me into the equation at oh, all. Okay. okay. I mean, Listen, I'm just... I mean I, I, she's single. She's a she's a grown up. They they were they were they were playing pool and and listening to Elvis. Elvis is a sexy motherfucker. Probably got the juices Hell yeah, going. He is. Right. Yeah, I, I know. Right. I know, but maybe well, you haven't seen this guy's mugshot. He was like, he was like sporting a mullet. Like. All right. Well, then listen. Sometimes. There's people you go after, and sometimes there's people you end up with at the end of the night, right? Yes, I'm thinking closing time. You know, yeah, sure. Um, one more yeah. call. For, what? What? Who's? The, what group is that? I forget the group, but there's an interesting story behind that song that I'll tell you about later. Um, okay. But it doesn't mean what you think it means. It's really cool. It's a really cool song when you know what it's about. Um, so not, I, I know who I want to take me home. It's not about that. No. Huh. No. It's all right. Uh, real quick, I'll digress. It's written. I, I heard this interview with the songwriter because um, the, the song just had like its 20 year anniversary or something like that. And uh, and someone asked him what it was about. And he said, listen to the lyrics again. And it is about me imagining my future child about to be born. OK. And and that's it's from the point of view of a of, of a of a baby uh, in the womb. I Got it. What do you think when you hear the lyrics, real intended purpose of the songwriter, as opposed to what you think they mean? I, think I, I, yeah, I think they're wrong and that my version of it is correct. I don't like hearing it because I, especially if I really like the song. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, that song, the Kenny Loggins song, I'm like, I know people won't even know who that this is, but it's like that, I'm all right. Yeah. You know, that's like yeah, the like, answer. Yeah. yeah. And so I was listening, I somehow came across like an interview with him and he was explaining the, 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 the thing about the song was about his father who was dying and oh. who didn't want to, who didn't want treatment or something like that. And here I'm like, this is like the survivor song. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it was Jeez, just like dark, like dark, like that. So now I don't even make it a ballad, you dipshit. Don't make it a like a dance number, or, or don't tell anybody <laughs> with the song. <laughs> don't tell where you the motivation for the song. Way to ruin it for everybody else. Christ, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, that's okay. my favorite version of that. Is um is the uh the the chili pepper song um uh 
you know, under the bridge downtown. Freaking under the bridge. That was like my freaking anthem. Okay, it's a great song. If you, know, if you know anything about it, don't it's obvious what it's about. Right. Okay. Perfect. For people that are of our generation and knew it, yeah. that he was a that he was a drug addict and that he that's where he would shoot up, right? But it's such a cool, lovely ballad in the beginning. Sometimes I feel right, and well, that it hit. Ballad to himself. But it hit, right? And it was a big hit, and so it was yeah. getting like mainstream radio play. So there were a lot of soccer moms singing the song and didn't had no idea what it was about. And then their kids say, "Mom, it's about a." guy shooting heroin under some dirty bridge in fucking Los Angeles. What are you singing this for? She goes, no, it's not. It's about Los Angeles. It's a great city. No. One, one more time. What was she like? <laughs> it's a lovely ballad. It's not about anything bad. You're wrong, honey. Such a new side of you. I didn't know existed. Oh my gosh. I'm imagining, how, I'm imagining how you talk to your right. kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, me? <laughs> anyway, I love that song. That was like the oh, beautiful. Like, you know, yeah. It's great. And it's a love letter to Los Angeles, you know, and living here for as long, um, as long as I have, I, 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 I get it, you know? Yeah. I get it. We'll be back after a quick break. Well, I think that, you know, Marilyn leaves the bar. Marilyn leaves the bar with this guy. Yeah. Turns up dead. Uh And, you know, from what I said before, I'm not sure if murder was on this guy's mind. What, what he did to her, there's a pathology there. And, 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 and I like, you know, towards the end of the, of the podcast, uh, there was a, a really cool, uh, summation that was that was made um i don't know if it was you or if it was the detective that there were uh some pretty violent rapes in the months leading up to this murder and uh that he decided he's not going to leave witnesses anymore after that could realize i I can't leave these these women alive and that he upped his game yeah so i think he did go there with nefarious purposes and you know, and unfortunately, you know, she was probably like, hey, I got this young dude who's willing to come home with me. Great. You know, let's 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 give him a twirl and see what's what, you know. And then unfortunately, you know, people are uh, people are fucking animals sometimes. Uh, and um, and so. So she's horribly murdered. There's zero leads. Yeah. OK, but there's the sketch. Mm-hmm. Which is great. And then I got to tell you something else, Uh, something that I didn't understand was that how little was made of the name and phone number of a man in her bag. Like like, I have, my wife has zero names and phone numbers of any men in her bag. Like I have zero names and phone numbers. Like I would think that that would be a huge piece of evidence, but the detective was like, well, you know, it happens and maybe it was overlooked. You know what? I, I, I read that differently. I read him as like doing a solid for the people who came before and not like, okay. Okay. You know, like. So there's a chance it was overlooked because somebody fucked up and he was covering. Okay. That, you know, he, he was, you know, he was basically like, you know, who knows what's in a woman's purse, you know, like, well, she's just been murdered. So we should really look and see, you know, that, that's, should, yeah. like, we should really like, you know, t- 
take the crumbs off of that and just like spread it out right. and really think about it. And especially when the tip, when he, when he followed it up with like, oh, and so he's going over the case review and he's seeing, wait a second, there's this guy from McDonald's who's saying, you know. Yeah. So, so the second victim. So then and how, how, uh, how much time separated the two victims? Cause there was a couple of like years. Yeah. Like and, and, years. and two States away. It was um, Idaho. Idaho. Okay. Idaho. Um, similar modus operandi yes yep. she was stabbed in the heart with a knife yep the first Very one was scissors second one was a knife yeah. yep um was there any uh unfortunate uh penetration with inanimate objects like there was with the first one um i don't believe so because the semen sample was found on the blanket which that was really you know news to me it was like oh yeah it totally makes sense like he could have said it's kind of like cigarette butts where you don't, you know, you could have cigarette butts that have your DNA at somebody's house that was murdered and they could have been there from 10 years ago. You know, the yeah, same if thing you don't clean your it. fucking house, right? If you don't clean, like, I, I don't, I don't fully buy the semen on a blanket. I, you wash your sheets, don't you? Well, uh, you know what? I think that somebody could say, hey, we don't know. It's a blanket. We don't know. I mean, it, you know, yeah, someone's been charged with murder. I think that. You really need to prove, and and that's why I was like real agreed, Ag agreed that that yes, that the, the the argument could be made that it was a years old semen sample on a blanket, <laughs> but that would be a I, I guess that would be a str I don't know I don't I, well, and I, that's and that's why the power I I didn't you know I went back and forth with including that part with the with the brush because it's so terrible it's so yeah. awful but to understand how the case was actually solved you really kind of needed to know that detail, you know, because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why it was close. There's no way that that could be explained away. And you now, know? And, and listen, maybe we all end up cutting this out up to you, but um, it was vague after you warned us. And then later in the end, yeah, it became a little more clear that it was, you know, in the butt, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so freaking brutal beyond like and 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 he said it because when i interviewed him i met him to pick up the, the the interrogation video yeah but i we conducted the interview via zoom and yeah. he saw my face and it was like when i found that found out that detail because i didn't know yeah. and i was just like and and he like lined it up like okay we talked about the rape we talked about stabbing in the heart we talked about you know, her, her throat was slit. We talked about all these other things. And then the second I talked about the hairbrush being in where it was inserted, you just totally like a nuke had been dropped. And it's so true. It's so brutal. It's so, all of those other things are so true. But then this last thing, like, why would someone want to do that to somebody? And I'm just hoping that she wasn't alive, you know, when it was done. <clears throat> yeah. Oof. <clears throat> All right. Um, so then, classic cold case. Yeah. Right? They have DNA. They have matching DNA. Right. They don't have and the guy. Both, and they're both doing kind of the same thing, where it's like, okay, technology has caught up. Each Idaho, unbeknownst to Washington, has their cold cases, yep. and they're like, hey, let's DNA, let's let's do this, let's get it into CODIS. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, we have a match, but we don't have a name. So that's where 
the dance started between the two detectives uh, and um you know it was just a it's, it's and a then everything thing. started kind of all of these disparate kind of elements that were kind of in in a loose orbit started kind of coagulating right with the name from the purse with the sketch but like 20 years had gone by right yeah right? and yeah. then the mcdonald's connection and all of these things started kind of falling into place um and that culminated with like a lot of patients like the the great thing that I've been reading recently in the zeitgeist is all of this, these awful Idaho college murders, right? Mm -hmm. And how the police, the Idaho, the, the, the local police department was, was in a shitstorm. People were saying, you're terrible, you're incompetent, you're all this, but they weren't. They just didn't give a shit about public opinion because they were doing their jobs right. Right. And they, and they were not going to fuck up the investigation by trying to say, no, this is what we're doing. We're doing no, 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 no. No. So great for them. Fuck everybody else who was saying that. But then they kept their distance and tracked this kid all the way to Pennsylvania, right? They got DNA from the trash. It was his dad and then this, and they knew. Look at you, Mr. True Crime fan. Yeah, well, no, I just found that was interesting because what I liked was the detective here that they took their time and they got that they got that cigarette butt. And he used it as a picture, like his fucking screensaver. And you were fangirling. <laughs> you fangirled so hard when you heard that. You're like, oh. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> no, that was good. so. My, I have we to all, ask. We <laughs> all have our process. Did he send you the picture? I got the picture. <laughs> did he, did I he got sign the it? picture. Did he sign it for you? Oh my gosh. To Carolyn, best wishes. <laughs> you got it up on your wall. <laughs> I feel like you might be a little jealous here, Brandon. No, I think it no, it was just really funny because I, I gotta be honest. I I the most of most of the times when I make fun of you, it's because um, I do the same shit. Right? So I was really stoked when I heard that he had that picture. I went, man, that'd be a fucking cool picture. To you know what? I, the reason why I was fangirling was because I love it when someone cares so much about what they do yeah. and they're a detective and they're not, he's not holding his cards close to his vest. He's saying, and I got a picture of it. Yeah. And he's really proud of it because it's of the course. culmination of all the work that he's put in and done. And it's like, yes, success. Yep. That's why I was fangirling because I love, it's like mana y mana. Like I love it when people are passionate about what they do. I agree. And that, 100% and that, agree. And that was where that, that was. And I wanted to share that moment with him because it is significant because, you know, so many others hadn't looked at the crumbs at the bottom of her purse where that piece of paper was Ooh. and they didn't look at the tip that came in and they didn't you know there was a lot of things that weren't done and yet he has it he's looking at everything he's starting at ground zero i mean gosh how many times have you done that when you're like rewriting something that's like a piece of shit and you're just totally. like i can't <clears throat> do this so hard and you're like you know what i'm starting at ground zero all I'm the time beginning. i'm doing the work i'm i'm tearing it apart i'm I, you know i i love that i love yeah, and it's important about that yeah, and it's important to let the audience see that excitement in you as well because it shows how dedicated you are to what you do, you know. And you know, uh, it's it's it, and it's a testament to um, what it takes for Absolutely. the cops to get somebody. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And there's so you know, you know, you have cases like the Golden State Killer where you know 
Paul Holes and all the people that worked on that, they worked on that for freaking like 20 years, consumed with it. It became their life. Their children suffered as a result. I interviewed him. So I know this for a fact, you know, he was a great father, but he said, you know, how many nights did I have this stuck in my mind? And I've done that too, where it's like, I have these cases, you know, if it's a huge investigation and you're just like, you you know, you're thinking about it 24 seven, it's hard to turn it off. And so a lot of times the people that are like, you know, knee deep in this they're not getting the credit of like a celebrity or whatever but to the families like that guy at the end of the interview his 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 you know love or her loved one her son was like we're finally getting somewhere and that was a powerful way to end the episode by the way i was getting to that that was really powerful um to hear you know you have one mom when he said that you have one mom one yeah absolutely yeah it's really powerful so i got a couple of questions yeah. Um, cause I didn't understand a, a, a word that you were saying, uh, and I, and I wrote it down. Is this a specific type of plea that this guy made? Alfred plea. Alfred. 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 Okay. Alfred okay. plea. Alfred plea. Is that, is that named after somebody? L F O R D. I'm sure it's like some attorney or something. Okay. All right. And that, that is where you're not saying you're guilty yeah you know there's enough evidence that you know you'll be convicted okay that's fucking weird did you ever did you ever go into the rabbit hole of that one staircase case you know the guy with the that his his wife like fell down these stairs and are you familiar with that case no okay oh my gosh talk about rabbit hole anyway he took an out he he wouldn't take an alfred plea but basically it's like it's kind of a way where you get a lighter sentence i think where they don't want to prosecute you because it would cost a lot of money or would, you know, whatever. And so, you know, it's like a deal where it's like, okay, I'm going to accept an Alfred plea. I'm not saying I did it, but I'm saying that you probably have enough evidence and I might get convicted. Wow. Yeah. So put yourself in the, in a position mm-hmm. of an innocent person. Yeah. Like yeah. legitimately, that could happen to fucking anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally innocent. Complete yeah. victim of circumstance, didn't mm-hmm. do it, but you yeah. agree to go to jail for a specific amount of time, just so it's not a forever amount of time. Well, it depends on what the deal is. Like, there's sure. been um, you can take an Alfred plea on like on like smaller cases where you go into like you know, say like it's an, a domestic violence situation. There's a case mm-hmm. that I covered where this guy took an Alfred plea and he ended up getting murdered, and his wife. They believe that his wife may have had something to do with it but so before that happened he took an alfred plea on these domestic violence charges he said he never did this what she said but he believed that based on what what she was saying there was all this evidence against him so he just took the alfred plea and basically went to domestic violence uh classes where so it's not always like you're for sure going to jail although in many cases it is in many cases the the state has to have something it has to be worth it for them as well. They have to be a little unsure of the of the strength of their case to even offer an Alfred plea. It is. It's like a quid, okay. quid pro quo in right. the sense okay. of like, you know, in that staircase um, example, that case that I was telling you about, he yeah. was in prison and then he got out and they're like, okay, we're going to make this go away. Just take the Alfred plea. He's like, no, I'm not taking the Alfred plea, wow. you know, because he said he didn't do it. Okay. Okay. So that's one thing. Thank you for clearing that up for me. The other yeah. thing I want to talk about is, um, gosh, he got so like, 
the the the, the detective like excited almost aroused when he was talking about the, the 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 candy bar stabbing recreating the fucking murder he was like it was like it was happening in front of me i'm like dude fucking easy <laughs> wait a second because i'm sure i knew you were gonna bring that up he wanted me to see the video and i, I was mean, like I, i'm sure it was super powerful but like brother okay i get I it I think that when you're in that, wait a second. I mean, can't you see how that, why do you have to bring arousal into this? Like, he was, I mean, listen, because listen, if you go back and listen to it, he goes to a different spot. You were on the Zoom with him. I would have loved to see the Zoom just to see how his, how his expression changed. And that's what I'm trying to say. He was sharing this with me. And it was really powerful for I him. know, I could and tell. I was powerful. feeling it too. But <laughs> but but it's almost like for a moment he was he was like super stoked that it was the next best thing to witnessing it. I feel like when you have you ever seen people change like they're this normal person and they're and you've known them and you're like hanging out with them and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden something happens like that and they just yeah. become psycho. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think that like, that's what it was. And it was so fast. It was so fluid. And he went from being this, like, I mean, I sat there and listened to him. It was so annoying. He was just yeah. like, I blacked out. I was really drunk. Blacked out. I was drinking a lot back then. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like doing that. And, and it, it was so hard to listen to because the whole thing, he was just like going into these rambling stories that don't have any purpose or, you know, just to get off the topic. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like psychology 101. He doesn't want to talk about the fact that he murdered her. Right. So let me just talk about like, Everything oh, the yeah. Dairy Queen. When I went, when I lived, I used to go there all the time when I was a kid. Um, Dairy Queen's so awesome. Yeah. It really is it's fucking great, um, yeah. but but so then so I, I don't know what I would want to ask him was that is that something that he does a lot right and does does he say well show me what happened show me what like here use this candy bar and pretend it's the scissors and the guy I think it was in front of you I think that I think the candy bar was just there they got him the candy bar you know like they got him like here. It was just impromptu. I mean, that's, I, I don't know that for sure, but the way that we were talking, I feel like that's what, that's what happened. And that's why it was so shocking. But what I thought was great, what I was like, yeah, this is cool, is when he was saying, okay, if you blacked out, then why didn't you ever go back there that, again? That was great. Why, wasn't that awesome? That was great. How come you never went back? How come you stayed there for over a year and you didn't hear that this woman that you'd got home with was, was found murdered? How come you didn't? Yeah. And there's yeah. no answers for that. Right. There's no so answers. I, I just feel like, I feel like the candy bar was just a, you know, hey, just show us real quick. And they had no idea that they no were going to actually show them yeah. how he stabbed this woman through her breastplate into her heart. Right. And I do think you're right, though, now that I'm thinking about it, when he was talking about, if, you know, I'm sure he would, I'm sure that he's glad that a deal was made, but I'm sure he also would have been glad if they could have had that playing you know in court like yeah. you know that whole that whole thing he even said it he was like yeah this would have been super powerful to do that just to show that because that's what again not to keep harping on it but he was like he was super fucking excited re, re, recalling that moment 
because it's no, no. I mean, it's it's like he had a time machine for a second and was able to go back and watch this happen. That this this case that had consumed him for so long. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, what happened here in our interrogation room? Just make it into a woman's living room, you know, and turn the lights low and it's dark outside and Elvis is playing and, you know, and whatever. And, and, and he like got to witness the murder almost like the next best thing, you know? So I can yeah. see how someone yeah. who's that dedicated to, yeah, I'm, I'm busting balls when I say it aroused him, whatever. I'm, I'm an asshole sometimes, but the way, how excited he is about his job, how excited he was about the cigarette butt. You know, how excited he was and how willing he was for the interagency communications, right? There was no ego. There was no hubris. There was no nothing. He was sharing and willing to share, you know, and, and, and so, and like, and then to see this moment recreated with the candy bar, I get it. I get it. It must've been really exciting for him as evidenced by how he told the story. What was that? I said, as evidenced by how excitedly he told the story. Well, I think that he saw that I was interested in yeah. what he was doing. So I think that that translates when you know you've got somebody who's like really appreciates what you've done and and what the steps that it took to get there. Yeah. You know, yep. you can't. I'm sure you can't tell that story all the time. You know, right, right, right. Um, okay, and the last thing that I wanted to talk about here was um, we we touched on it early in the episode about him telling. Um, <laughs> and I, I listen. I, I still, I've, I've flown thousands of times, but every time we take off and you make a hard left, I think that the plane's going down. Like every time, <laughs> and I like get white knuckled. I'm like, fuck. So I, I, I know what, I know what this guy was feeling. Um, and there's a detective going, no, it's how it happens when you take out of here and you got to turn, blah blah blah. And, and like, like I was saying earlier, it, it, he said it so almost smugly or like, like, haha, got him. He thinks we're friends. You know, and and that, like I said, like, like I always say, I'm split on this. See, I don't think I think that he was also very honest about there is this weird relationship between the two, and and I and I've heard it with other de- detectives that I've interviewed. You know, yeah. they the same thing. What I find really sad is that, and not to feel bad for the killer because I don't. But what I feel like as I was listening to the interviews was that this is probably the first time that another man of his stature is really taking the time to listen to him because he's getting paid to do so. And it's a part of the process of getting of building that trust. It's almost like a coach, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just didn't he probably didn't have any influences in his life where somebody's taken the time to, to hear him, what he's thinking and what he's feeling, why he did what he did. And it's a fake phony relationship. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's got an ulterior motive right, right from the rip. The cop could not give a fuck about what male influences were absent in his life, except how it informs his ability to put this guy away. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's hardcore. It, it, yeah. it absolutely is. But what the fact that he's opening up to him, even though he's this hardened killer, is just like, wow. You know, I mean, it's it's I don't know what it says about our society, but. Well, yeah, know. no, it's a it's a it's got to be a, a really weird and delicate high wire. That they walk because. They have to appear genuine or it's not going to work. 
right? Yeah. They have to make the guy, but the, but obviously the person they're talking to is vulnerable and is looking for any kind of lifeline, any sense of normalcy, any hope that maybe this guy actually does want to help me, right? Even though he's the last person on the fucking planet who will help you. And the cops tell you that when you're under arrest, anything you say will be used against you, not for you, right. never for, never to help you. Only I know, you, right? I know, okay. yeah. I know. That's why and they still like, talk. I know, and and that's the that's the the question mark. Why do humans do what we do? Because he he has to know, and he's been in jail many times. It's the same thing with the stool pigeons. It's yep. like what? Why would you tell? Why would you tell? This is currency. Why would you tell anybody your deepest darkest secrets? Explain to our younger audiences what a stool pigeon is. I please. knew you were gonna get. On, why don't you? Because you're the same age, dude. You, you explain it. You know what it means. I don't know where you got on this pillar of like, explain to them. Go for it. What does a stoolie mean? A stool pigeon. <laughs> you know, you make me want to use these terms just to like... Like you could, you could say informant, right? <laughs> Couldn't you tell him what it means? Are you like an old gangster from Jersey in the forties? Ah, he turned stool pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you going to tell him what it means or not? No, I'm not. I'm going to force you to do it. Stool pigeon. <laughs> Please. Look it up. Look it Stool pigeon. A stool what? pigeon. No, it up. If they're curious. No, a stool pigeon is someone who rats on someone else to curry favor within the system. Okay. Who rats on someone else? Yes. Okay. Who gives up information? Who informs on someone else? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. People in glass houses. <laughs> Um, oh God, what just happened with that glass houses? My wife and I got into an argument. Uh, the, the phrase is people in glass surprise, houses, surprise. people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That's the phrase, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and just tell me what it means to that, your understanding. To my understanding that if you're not perfect, like, okay, you, but what does the metaphor actually mean? Like explain the the, the glass it's like house. We've in a glass house. You shouldn't throw a stone. Why? Because what will happen? Because it'll crack. It'll break. Thank you. Thank you. You're hurting yourself, right? Yeah. You're, you're right. You're you're doing damage to your own reputation. You're doing damage to whatever. Don't you know? Well, and you don't have a right to judge other people because we all live in the same glass house. All of that. All of that. But the metaphor, the structure of the metaphor, is to say that because you will be damaging yourself. You'll be damaging your own house because it's glass and you'll break it. My wife is like, no, it means because people can see you because it's glass. People will see you throwing a rock and they'll know who threw it. Well, were you arguing? Did you just say, no, honey, this is what it means? Or did no, you have I to get on your high horse? No, I slept on like, that's, that's not at all what it means. What are you doing? I slept on the couch for two nights, but I'm saying that's not I... what it means. Right, but why do you have this incessant need to be right? No, because I love her and I don't want her out in the world saying that oh and embarrassing gosh, so you, herself. Okay, just stop now. Just stop. 
She does it to me. She doesn't let me walk outside wearing the same t-shirt three days in a row because I stink and I trust her. Wait a second. Because I know she loves me. Actually, for this interview, was going to wear a jersey sweatshirt with my, with a cap on backwards, with my glasses, and I was gonna put like I couldn't decide if I was gonna put the boss or if I was gonna put Jersey Boy. I hadn't, I hadn't decided. <laughs> Either one would have been great. Either one. Would anyway, have been. leave your poor wife alone. I do. I do. She's. I'm lucky to have her. So, um, yeah, just to, let's just to, to wrap this up. Uh, for me, the, the theme of this show was uh, the power of police work and the power of uh, of collaboration, interagency collaboration. Because yeah. we've had we've had shows where that has fucked investigations for decades, right? And now we have one where that ended a cold case after decades, right? Where the two cold it, cases. yeah, two cold cases. So uh, work together out there. So um, <clears throat> looking forward to what you bring us next week. I know we have a lot to choose from, so uh, surprise us. And um, make sure uh, you tune in, even though you don't tune into podcasts, but you know what I mean. Make sure you find us next week. And um, thank you again for listening and for subscribing to Cavalry Plus. And thank you for all the feedback that we've been getting. Keep those emails coming. Um, we love We love hearing from you. Carolyn, great job. Thank you. And Brandy, great job. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we will catch up with all of you next week. Bye now. The Murder Chronicles is a cavalry audio production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Our executive producers are Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. Music by Soundstripe. For Cavalry Audio, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.